Ford Sens Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Craig Kennedy. Welcome to our program. Today on the show is Connor Brown on the trade block, maybe as early as this summer. Sens assistant coach Jack Capuano gets a, an interview for the Flyers head coaching gig. Doesn't get it, obviously. Goes to John Tortorella, but kind of interesting that he got an interview to start with. Is Philip Forsberg keen or sour on Ottawa? Looks like he uh, and the Nashville Predators made part company this summer, and this, a lot of Sens fans kind of maybe hoping that Forsberg might find his way here. And we'll talk as well about that insane result Saturday as Colorado pounded the champs 7-0. The Broncos beat the Buccaneers 7-0. All still ahead today on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. Steve Warren along with the coach Greg Kennedy. How are things today, Greg? Things are good, Steve. It's Father's Day. That means U.S. Open, so it had to have been a great day, right? Yeah, it's uh, honestly, as Father's Day goes and the U.S. Open, they've always been so intertwined for me. My dad, who passed away like in the fall of 2020, this was my second Father's Day without him. And that was our big thing. Watch the U.S. Open and eat chicken and ribs because it would be the big, for a long time, the rib cook-off in town was, Mm. it's changed its date since then. But uh, it used to all come together very nicely. And so we'd feast, we'd enjoy the U.S. Open, have a little father-son bonding time. So today's always kind of a special memory day for, for me. And it certainly was a great tournament. Yeah, it came right down to the to to the eighteenth, which is nice. Like, yeah, I I will watch a major no matter. Well, I'll watch golf no matter what, but especially when it's close. I, there's nothing worse than some guy with a four shot lead on on Sunday. It was nice to see it came down to a a nice cl- close finish. And poor Adam Hadwin was there. He just never really got better than than I, I guess he got to two under. I think at one point, but never really got any. Never really got close enough to actually show him hit a shot. Yeah, I think the Thursday night nerves probably got to him. Here's your first round leader, first Canadian since 09 to hold a lead at the U.S. Open. And the excitement level that you get from something like that, he came out of the gate on moving day Friday and uh, just didn't seem the same player um, because of the excitement level, I think, that goes with that. So it's uh, it's a matter of how to, like we keep talking about with uh, you know various teams, the Senators will be talking in these terms. I was watching the Red Blacks game on Saturday night, and the TSN guys said it about one million times that it's a case of you have to learn how to win. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's at play here as well. Just one last thought in the U.S. Open. Sure. Isn't that an odd situation? It's one of the unique situations in sports where you realize you're a champion, but you're not allowed to initially celebrate because Zalatoris has a long putt to get into the playoff. He's got to make it. And the putt just trickles to the left of the hole. And at that stage, well, Fitzpatrick and his family all know that he is he's the champion, the US Open champion. But for that one moment, they're not allowed to celebrate because that's just golf etiquette. You can't jump up and down and freak out just after someone's heart has been ripped out of their chest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's no there's no gimmies in golf like you'd like to think, okay, buddy, that's yeah. good. Let's get out of here. I win. But uh, yeah. no, not allowed. The rest the rest of the field might be upset if uh if Will if Will Zalatoris doesn't actually putt out on seventy second hole. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so an interesting sports weekend for sure. And uh, let's launch in because uh, lots of Sens news. And one of the biggest involves a guy that I think is kind of, I mean, everybody likes call it Connor Brown, but he, what he is, is kind of a polarizing topic. There's no shortage of people who say things like, uh, yeah, on a good team, he's a third liner. Uh, he's a guy that, uh, 
you know, is replaceable, all those things. And I'm on the other side of the map. I think a guy, he's a guy that can comfortably fit into your top six, but we'll get into that here in a second. The news, though, is Elliot Friedman on Sportsnet. Uh, he came and suggested that, according to what he's hearing, Connor Brown sounds like he's hellbent on going to unrestricted free agency this summer, which changes the whole dialogue and the whole discussion. Because I think if that's the case and he wants to go to free agency, Greg, uh, the Sens really are left with no choice but to trade this guy at some point. Would you agree? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if you recall, but I, I brought it up back at the trade deadline and thought that it might be something that the Senators would maybe not be looking for. But if the right team came along with the right offer, I thought a, a team like Boston or, or maybe even Washington or especially Tampa, uh, I thought that Connor Brown might be a guy that would appeal to them in a, in a playoff push at the trade deadline this year. And it would be something the Senators should look at. His, his value may never be this high again. I, I like if things work out the way they're supposed to work out next year, maybe he's not even in your top six. So his numbers won't be the same. So therefore he's, his to me, his value is as high as it was ever going to be uh, based off this last season. Uh, comparable wise, is he like a Zach Hyman who left Toronto, went to Edmonton and signed for seven years and over 35 million, like over 5 million a year. Are you going to want to pay Connor Brown $5 million a year or worse? Are you going to want to pay Connor Brown for seven years? I don't think so, but somebody probably is willing to. So maybe it is something that you need to seriously consider uh, moving on from him and trading him now rather than waiting till later in the season. If he wanted to dance with the Sens and they could get him to an extension of $5 million or less, I'd be down with that. Absolutely no problem with that whatsoever. But I don't think that's even on the table anymore because, if again, if he's hell-bent on going to unrestricted free agency, we all know that the Sens don't do that. And even if they wanted to do that, would Connor Brown be – I mean, he's going to unrestricted free agency for a reason because he wants to get the most amount of money. And we know the Sens aren't going to win that auction. And every player wants to win – so it would stand to reason, unless the Sens really have a massive turnaround and really show that they could win very soon, um, I, I, I don't see that either. So from both those, both those perspectives, even if the Sens did want to play ball in unrestricted free agency, they'd be handcuffed effectively, and, uh, and Connor Brown would probably still go somewhere else, if, uh, even if they're waving around that $5 million number. I will say this. Let me, let me just put in an, um, an argument for why Connor Brown is not unreasonable at five or less. For starters, he's at four now and and had a fine season. He'll get four again next season. And when I look at what, the say, the Tampa Bay Lightning have in their top six right now, because that's always the argument, and I think you share this thought, that he's really not a top six forward. Well, when you look at what Brown has done in his three years in Ottawa, he's a guy with a 50-point pace. He had 117 points in his 191 games in Ottawa so far. And seriously, how many teams have a 50-point guy in their bottom six? Not many. Not many. So Tampa would be the example I'd use. They're the two-time cup champs. You've got Kucherov, Point, Stamkos. Then things start to thin out. You've got at four and five, both in scoring this year and in salary, you've got Sorelli and Palat. They make 4.8 and 5.3. They're scoring right now, this season, 49 points and 43 points, respectively. So my point is Brown actually compares really favorably 
to the offensive production of the two-time Stanley Cup champs and their top six. So I don't think he's the bottom three or the, the third liner that a lot of people do. I would go down the road to an extension, but if Elliot Friedman is right and he really wants to go to free agency, it's all a moot point. He's as good as gone. Yeah, and I think the the bigger question here is, and again, we come back to this idea of you're the general manager and you're trying to build a team. You've only got so many dollars that you can allocate to, to certain players, and obviously there's a, a cap. So how much money do you want to spend on a guy who, okay, yes, I agree with you. He is in top six in point production. But when this team gets to where it's supposed to get to, Will Connor Brown be in your top six or will he be a solid third line guy? And if he's a solid third line guy, do you really want him in the middle of a six or seven year contract that's paying him five or more a year? That's, that's Colin White. And we all agree we don't, we don't want to pay Colin White that even though he's, he's not quite a, he's not a third line guy, but you, you know what I'm getting at. I just think that in the big picture, three years down the road, that contract is not going to age well within the senators. It may age well somewhere else if he goes somewhere else and he plays in their top six consistently every night and they don't project him to be a third line. They want him to be in their top six. Then it will look like a pretty good contract for those teams. But I just I, I just think in the big picture, the Senators are not going to be interested in long term and more than five million dollars on this guy. It all comes down to when we expect the Senators to be good and and to be competitive. Competitive, because right now ahead of Brown, we know for sure you've got four really good forwards. And if they continue to grow and they get good, Connor Brown's twenty eight. He just turned twenty eight. Yeah. And so two three years from now, if the Sens become contenders at that stage, I think Connor Brown can still be part of that. You know, if you get him to a five six year deal, I wouldn't want to go eight. That'd be a little too much for a guy who just turned twenty eight. But five or six, I don't think it's going to hurt you that much. Like, look at Nazem Kadri. You know, he ends up with a very deep team and has by far his finest season at age 31. So I just, I guess it comes down to when we expect the Ottawa Senators to get good and to be competitive. Um, if it is five years from now, well, you're not only worried, you're not worried about Connor Brown so much as, you know, it's not going to be that long before Brady Kachuk is a UFA again. So <laughs> you're, you're, expected window of winning is going to be a very small one. So um, it, it's an interesting discussion for sure. I like Connor Brown a lot, but I probably like him more than most just because, you know, on top of everything I talked about, I just compared him to two guys who are fourth and fifth in Tampa scoring and the, and they compares fairly favorably at $5 million a year, six, seven, that'd be too much to, to talk about, but I haven't even talked about his leadership, you know, his two way hockey, his ability to kill penalties, and and goal prevention remains as important as scoring goals. So I think he's ahead of most top six forwards when it comes to two-way hockey. And that gives that's another feather in his cap. But uh yeah, we all have players we kind of like um that uh, maybe others do not and or or as much. But the Connor Brown story is certainly an interesting one. So when is the best time to deal him now? You thought it was last trade deadline. <laughs> yeah. Ideally, yeah. when would you do it now? I, I think a, a deal this summer is a good plan. I, I wouldn't want to go into the season with them, uh, although they probably end up doing that anyway. It just it's it's easier if you don't have a guy who is is counted on in your lineup night in and night out uh, the way he is, uh, who's just playing out his contract. The the fans won't be happy. 
especially if he goes out and has a good year and we all know that he says ahead of time, no, I'm going to free agency, then it just doesn't look good if he goes out and puts up good numbers. I just think that if you could get him for three years at five million a year, no problem. But but if he's hell bent on going to free agency, he's getting six, seven years, and the Senators aren't going to want to do that. And I don't blame them for not wanting to do that. But the fans will not be happy if he's here for the whole season, putting up the same sort of numbers, playing the same game, providing the same leadership, all the intangibles you just spoke about. If he does all those things and you know he's going, it just turns into a Stone or a, a Carlson or a, you know, the list goes on, a Duchesne. It just goes into that pile of players who are here and produce, and then we have to say goodbye to them. And that's not good. Yeah, I, I think I'm in the mode of whenever the best deal arrives, like this summer at the de- at the draft, if somebody's packaging something up, Brown with a seventh overall selection for a real home run deal, I don't close the door on that. But I have kind of a different spin on it in that I think I would probably wait until the deadline because I mean, part of the development of the young core that they have is going to be reliant on taking a step forward, right? And, 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 and like we talked about earlier, and learning how to win and they're not going to be able to do that, I think, if they're deleting top six forwards. Say what you want about Connor Brown and whether he's a true top six forward. I would say on this team, he absolutely is a top six forward. So if we're deleting top six forward rather than adding, that's not helping the winning cause. And, and I think that that's a part of the development process that they get into some meaningful hockey games later in the season. Because any winning that they've done to this stage has come when all hope is lost after that terrible first month they had, they need to take a step forward toward winning next year. And I don't think that will serve them well if you get rid of Connor Brown right now in the summertime. So I think you cannot kind of have the best of both worlds. If you do it at the deadline, on the one hand, you get Connor Brown for most of the season to kind of take that winning step forward and holding off to the deadline means you're also going to get that kind of pseudo auction that goes on where you get all these GMs around the league salivating trying to improve their cup chances. We saw it this year with Nick Paul going to Tampa for Matthew Joseph, which is looking like an amazing deal for both teams. But I think you probably, if I'm to predict, um, because I don't know, this summer they might get a home run deal and and you go ahead and make that. But if I'm looking at things in a general sense, I think they have a probably have a better chance to get more at the deadline and also get – the benefits of having Connor Brown for most of the season as a leader, as a guy who leads by example, as a guy who can help you win. I just think that the return changes the return for Connor Brown. Now, I think you've got a better chance now of getting, of, of, of replacing him as a top six. You've got a better opportunity now of getting a, a star player, a true pure top six guy than you do at the deadline. I think at the deadline, it's going to be more prospect driven. Whatever you get is going to be younger guys and maybe a, maybe a first round draft choice. Uh, a deadline deal is different because those teams that you're going to be looking to get the top six guy from then aren't willing to give one up because they're getting Connor Brown because they think they're going to win. They want him to help them win. I think you've got a better opportunity now. If you're going to, like, you don't think Florida could use a player like Connor Brown? They've got too many uh, Jason Spetzes and not enough Connor Browns in their roster. Like, there's an opportunity there that maybe there's a, maybe there's a guy, an offensive guy that they want to move because they realize, "Eh, you know, we need a little more sandpaper in our lineup like Tampa does. So I think there's more opportunity to find that, the guy you want, sorry, the type of player you want now than at the deadline. All right. You know. No, it could. I mean, hey, whatever works, you know, I, I, all you want if you're a Sens fan is 
for the best possible compensation for a what I believe to be a very good player. And uh, and looking at that, the Sens have done a pretty good job with a number of trades. They get a lot of grief for the ones that don't hit, but they've had some that have hit, and this was one of them. Bringing in Connor Brown three years ago, Canada Day 2019, Toronto sends Brown to the Sens with Nikita Zaitsev, basically for Cody Ceci, Ben Harper, and a third rounder. And so even if they, and I think we all agree this will probably happen, again, if, if Elliot Friedman is right, and Connor Brown wants to go to unrestricted free agency, I think we can agree Brown and Zaitsev will no longer be Ottawa Senators sometime in the next calendar year. But I think the trade will live on for what the Sens get uh, for Connor Brown. And that's probably something in the way of a first rounder or a very good young prospect, I would guess. And this is where the discussion comes back in the debate you and I have been having of what exactly is Connor Brown? What's his true value? Is he a second liner or is he a third liner? And that'll be the discussion in trade negotiations when you get down to it. But just back to the trade, certainly the Sens deserve nothing but credit for that trade because Connor Brown has been a beauty for the Sens. Yeah, and I think that either way, whether it's a summer deal this summer or whether it's mid-season or it's at the trade deadline, whatever, whenever the deal is made, I'm pretty sure they'll get a good return. Uh, it will be a different kind of return based on the time of year that it's made and with whom it's made, but they will get a good return. This is a, this is a player, a, 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 the, the player type that is sought after, that is valued by other teams, and he will bring a decent return, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, if it could be a Nick Paul for Matthew Joseph sort of a deal, I'd be all about that. Nick Paul has been amazing. He slayed the Leafs. Love that. Two goals in the in game seven. I'll never forget him for that. If, if he retires, just unexpectedly <laughs> retires in this offseason, I will still say, I, I, I mean, Nicky Paul does it all, including retire. But, uh, you know, I'd say that that would be something that I will never forget. And I'll always be appreciative of Nick Paul. But at the same time, despite all he's done in these playoffs and uh, Tampa's thrilled with his production level, I think the Sens still win that trade. Based on what I've seen from Matthew Joseph, the guy came in and he was fantastic. And there's another guy that I'm not sure what he is either. You know, he could be based on what we saw in his short sample size here. That's a guy that came in and was, I think, a point of game until they got that chest injury. So uh, that's the kind of deal you'd love to see where both teams are feeling good when it's all done. And I think you can get something pretty good for Connor Brown at the end of the day. So what does the deal look like for you? Connor Brown, you think he should be uh, traded at the draft or sometime this summer. What are the Sens getting back? Not necessarily anything specific, but what are they getting back? I think he goes in a package with the, if it happens this summer, like before the draft, I think he goes in a package with that number seven pick and with somebody else to land that top six or top three forward. I don't know who it'll be. You know, maybe it's a, Maybe it's David Pasternak. I, I love hearing his name floating around, but who knows what it will be. But I think that if it happens this summer or at the draft, it'll be in a package and it'll be for a for a name player. It'll be for a big time player. Philip Forsberg is a guy that's out there. He would uh, be available potentially in free agency. And he came in the news this week because he was talking on Instagram about the city of Ottawa. And at some point, I guess, I think he's in town because... His wife or girlfriend is friends with Ryan Spooner or his wife. And this is all the stuff I'm seeing on social media that Spooner got married in Ottawa this weekend. And that's why Forsberg was here. And he made a crack on Instagram to Mark Borowiecki about how he's pretty sure that Ottawa doesn't actually have a downtown, (laughs) which sent all Sens fans going, oh, he's never coming to Ottawa now. 
Not that I, I don't think it was ever necessarily close. And then backtracked uh, later on. I guess uh, he put out video. He was downtown. He goes, because Borvietsky defended Ottawa, obviously. And Forsberg basically said uh, to Borvietsky on Instagram, yeah, you're right. It's actually pretty nice down here. So that guy sends fans roaring again. Well, he is coming to Ottawa. <laughs> um, is Forsberg anyway in, in maybe the Sens plans? Well, he's a he's a free agent. He's a top six forward. Yeah, he should be. He should be. Uh, I don't know if in his plans is the right word, but he should be somebody they should be looking at. He should be somebody they should be talking to. Um, he's a European, and I I honestly believe that when it comes to free agency, the Senators probably have a better shot with Europeans. That you know they used to say the Stasnys. Why the hell would they go to Quebec? Well, the Stasnys loved Quebec. It reminded them of being at home. <laughs> the winter wasn't a problem. You know, for a lot of Europeans, the climate in Canada is not a problem. And it's uh, it's much more like home than being in some of those American cities, especially think of your you're a Swede in downtown Nashville. That's all. That's a, quite the quite the t- turnaround or quite the 180 from being in Sweden. So I, I, Canada is appealing to a certain number of European free agents. Let's put it that way. And maybe the guy is interested. Who knows? Maybe you get Daniel Offertson back in the fold and you have him give the guy a call and say, hey, uh, Flippy, why don't you come here and play with us? Flippy? Are we going with Flippy? Uh, Is that actually his nickname? uh, Probably. Or Forzy. (laughs) Forzy or Flippy. Yeah, it's probably Forzy. That'd be a lot of Forsbergs on this team named Forzy. Yeah. (laughs) So I remember Drake Batherson, good friend of the program, pseudo co-host for most of last season, doing that mic'd up thing, absolutely ripping him. Uh, after he uh, beat him in practice, uh, you like that one, Forzy? All mic'd up, Forzy. Got that one on. Uh, got that one on tape, Forzy. Anyway, more Forzies. Why not? Boy, we got to get. We got to talk about what happened in Game Two of the Stanley Cup Final. By the way. <laughs> oh man, what in the world was that? The two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, they got absolutely murdered by Colorado, seven nothing in Denver. I'll, I'll, I'll let you dig into that one. What what in the world? <laughs> What in the world happened to the Tampa Bay Lightning on Saturday night? Man, did they look old and slow, eh, Steve? Yeah. It just yeah. wasn't there for me. And, and almost to a certain extent, maybe disinterested. I found they weren't emotionally as involved as, as they should have been. Just certain things, certain body language, certain reactions to, to, to things that happened in the game. They just looked like they weren't as interested. It was almost like, okay, this one's over. Let's turn the page and, and get home. And that was early in the game. It seemed to be that. And they just looked slow and old and tired. It reminded me of the, the night the Oilers hammered the Islanders when you, you, know, you were waiting. Here come the, here comes the new club going to knock off the longstanding champ. And there was that one game where they just hammered them and it was all over after that. But yeah. you know what they say? You, you're not in trouble till you lose at home, but I'd like to think that when you lose seven nothing on the road, uh, whether you're at home or not, uh, you might be in trouble. We'll find out, I guess, uh, what tomorrow night. Wow, we rarely see results like that this late in the playoffs. I think back though, because of course we covered the Sens. I think back to 2017 in the Eastern Conference Final. If you'll recall, mm-hmm. I think it was Game Five. The Sens lost seven nothing, and everybody's like, "Okay, you'll never recover from that." Sens came right back and forced a game seven with a game. I think it was like a one nothing or a two one win. Big defensive struggle after getting absolutely crushed. So it can happen. Steven Stamkos was trying to say all the right things after the game. Captain of his team. That's what he's supposed to do. He was talking. He was saying how, what everybody else was thinking, how deep Colorado is, how much skill they have. But we have that too. 
And you can't deny that. They've got two cup rings to prove it. But to me, Greg, when you compare where they are right now, down 0-2 in the series, to the 0-2 they were in the last series in the conference final against the Rangers, the hole they've dug for themselves here, even though it's same numbers, math is the same, the hole they have dug here seems way deeper than the one they dug against the Rangers. Yeah, I guess the only thing that I would say against that is is momentum doesn't really carry from game to game in, in hockey. Uh, I don't I don't think that it it really matters that much. It'll be a whole new game um, in a different rink, in a different atmosphere, a uh, different attitude from the home team in Tampa. Uh, that momentum won't carry, but in the hearts and minds of the Colorado Avalanche, we just hammered this team seven, nothing boys. Like we got this no problem. And they will, they will not come out and and allow themselves to, uh, they won't roll over and play dead the way Tampa did in this last game. That's hard to say. I don't know. I mean, and and no one really does whether momentum, it's just a feeling. It's just a, a sense of confidence, a sense of energy, a sense of feeling good. And that can be intangible. You don't know where it's coming from. Um, sometimes, I do think that it can exist between games. It sure looked like in Eastern final, it looked like it existed between games when the Rangers are up two nothing and then they lose four straight to lose the series. Sometimes it feels that way, but I, I don't know for sure one way or the other. Um, one of the neat things about watching a game in Denver though, is that, is that maybe the funnest place to watch a game <laughs> in the NHL? The way the Avs fans are just into every moment. Like there was some routine saves that Kemper was making, like really like a floater from wrist shot from the point. He sees it all the way right into his glove. And they're like, oh, and they're screaming their heads off. They got all the songs going like crazy. That's a fun atmosphere, isn't it? Yeah. From what I gather, Nashville is is a lot like that, too. But I, it was almost like an NCAA uh, crowd. It was a it was a U.S. college crowd, a, a college basketball crowd with the songs. And I don't know how many NCAA basketball games you've been to, but when you show up the or, or an NCAA hockey game, you show up, they give you a sheet, Steve. They give you the lyrics to all the songs. And basically tell you, this is the song we sing for a penalty. This is the song we sing when the goalie's bad. This is the song we sing when this happens. And uh, it, it seems like maybe that's what they do in Denver too. They they had it. They had something for every occasion. Everything that happened in the game, they had they had a reaction. And everybody in the building seemed to know exactly what they were supposed to do on script. There was a time a long time ago where we uh, on the old radio show on TSN twelve hundred. We did a parody song of Blink-182's All the Small Things. It's a big hit in uh, alternative rock. And we did a parody to mock the Leafs as we got ready for their, I think it was 2000, their very first. No, it wasn't that year. Maybe it was a one. Anyways, early 2000s, one of those Sens-Leafs playoff matchups. We did a parody song of it. And it actually, like, like it charted on some rock stations in Canada. <laughs> Like the, our version of it, right? And so that was really, really funny. And we were like on C- we were on CBC National. Oh yeah, it was a crazy. <laughs> anyway, um, so in Denver, I guess all the small things by Blink One Eighty Two is absolutely huge. Like they sing it, like the entire song. If, no matter how long, if it's a TV timeout, they'll go for as long as they can, and they sang it almost in its entirety on Saturday night. It was pretty cool.
That is a loud crowd. I mean, they are having a good time, and why not? They're up 7 nothing against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're feeling pretty good right now. The okay. reason I played that song was because uh, Marcus Von B, he's the one who sent a long video of that, and he said, will there ever be a time at the CTC in Ottawa, or even better yet, an arena at La Breton, where Ottawa fans are rocking like this to Warnsey's All the Leafs Stink? That would be fun. That would be fun when you get down to it. But the Tampa Bay thing, I think it's over. It, 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 just because Colorado is so good. This isn't a team they're coming back on. It's not the Leafs. You know, it's not the Rangers who have won Stanley Cup win since 1940. Uh, this is a whole different deal. And I just don't see them winning four of five against a club that's right now so feeling it. They're 14 and two in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You're 14 and two in the playoffs. You're firing on all cylinders. There is no way in hell the Colorado Avalanche will lose four of the next five games. Not going to happen. The uh, the run is over, and hey, you know what? I mean, you know, we're putting the uh, the cart before the horse a little bit here, but I really I think Colorado has a great chance to be really, really awesome. Not just for the you know foreseeable. I mean, for the next couple of years anyway, this team could be right on top. Uh, this is, this looks like a team that's built to last. You're absolutely right. I wouldn't surprise me. You got uh, you got Makar there, but how about Byram? He's looking pretty damn good too as a as a second guy on the blue line. Uh, guys up front, they've got the really only Nakushkin. I think is the only one they've really got to worry about signing. And well, sorry, and Kadri, I guess. Um, but no, they they look damn good. Strength, depth, strong blue line. Kemper has solidified them in net. Uh, yeah, they, they, and they've been knocking on the door for, what, two, three years now? So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see them go on a nice little run in the next couple of years. Byram, of course, is the guy that Duchesne. Colorado used to draft. In the draft pick that they got in the Duchesne deal, that's what they used right there. So Yeah, yeah. Right. Turn, <sighs> turn the page, Steve. Yeah. But they got Brady Kachuk. They had a choice to keep the Brady Kachuk pick or keep the pick that would have been by, uh, Bowen Byram. All right, time to do a little business here. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're thinking about a nice used vehicle for the summer, maybe a little uncertain about it, you want to make a smart choice? Well, Jim K. Ford, our title sponsor, removes all of your worries, and we hope you'll give them a shot. Jim K. Ford is your Ottawa-certified pre-owned Ford dealer. How about a 12-month, 20,000-kilometer limited warranty coverage? Full history report of the vehicle, Purchase financing rates 1.99%, 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. That's peace of mind. Check out jimk4.com, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. Uh, to close it out today, Sens assistant coach Jack Capuano got an interview for the Philadelphia Flyers head coaching gig. It, of course, went to John Tortorella, who's back to do some more screaming. He would have been really good in the 70s with the Broad Street Bullies back in the day, but... Uh, Anyway, what do you think of uh, Jack Capuano even being given the opportunity to interview? Well, what what it says to me is that it says two things. It says, number one, that maybe denying him permission to speak to Buffalo had more to do with Ottawa's feelings about Buffalo than it had to do with anything else. And secondly, it says that, that uh, is it Troy, man? Which one's the man in Belleville? It's, that would be Troy. Troy. It says to me that, that Troy is, is seen as a good candidate to be a future coach of this team just as much as Jack Capuano is. But def- I was kind of surprised when I read that he was one of the final three in Philly. It was between he and DeBoer and and uh, and Tortorella. I mean, that that's, that's impressive. The guy must have interviewed very well. So that is where we'll call it quits, ladies and gentlemen. Our website is SendsNationHockey.com. All kinds of cool stuff there. 
We'd invite you to contact us. We'd also invite you to take part in our uh, Name the Contract, Guess the Contract uh, contest. We got four guys. What do we got? Josh Norris, Alex Formanton, uh, Eric Brandstrom, and who's the fourth? Joseph. Right. Matthew Joseph is in that mix as well. So we're inviting folks to, is it it Joseph? Yeah, it is Joseph. Yeah, Joseph. Um, How many years? How much money? Email us with how, what you think is going to be the term and what you think is going to be the average annual value of that contract. And once all four are eventually signed, whoever is the closest, and without getting into the rules of it all, whoever's the closest, will win a free T-shirt from SensationHockey.com. So we'll call it quits right there. Greg, enjoy your evening, and we will talk to you next time. For sure. Have a good night. You too.